I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. So guess what? This is our season four finale, and we couldn't be more excited to bring you this episode all about a man's journey of turning heartbreak into an opportunity to becoming a better person. And remember the happy hour we mentioned last week? Well, that's been moved to Thursday, June 22nd. So save the date and remember to follow us on Facebook to get the full details once we finalize them. Also stay tuned until the end of the episode as we have a special request from you guys for season five. The Dateable Podcast is hosted by me, I'm Yue, a former dating coach in New York turned active dater in San Francisco. On each episode, you'll hear commentary by my producer, Julie Kraftchik, and other surprise co-hosts. This episode of Dateable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. 
Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show that opens up a candid conversation about modern dating. How does a man who is a self, who was, I should say, a self-proclaimed serial dater, <laughs> turn into a guy who is like a one-woman man? How does a guy who goes from date after date after date to finding the one? Dave, you have the answers for us because <laughs> you're the one that went through this. Dave has been in San Francisco for four years, and he is now engaged. He is almost thirty. Tell us about your past lifetime. Okay, so when I when I moved here four years ago, I was actually married,、um, and I had been in that relationship about eight years by the time I got here. A month after we moved here, she decided that she wanted a divorce.、Uh, we had sort of been on the rocks a little bit, and I thought that moving here would help us have a fresh start, and we could sort of build our relationship together and pursue new careers together, and that sort of thing. And it didn't quite pan out that way.、Um, the one thing I did know for a fact, though, was that once I got here, I didn't want to move back to the East Coast, and that I was going to make my life here work, no matter what it took. And As a programmer, I tend to approach even my life problems with like a certain sense of of logic and just breaking down the bigger problem into millions of smaller ones. And so, basically, what came out of of doing that to my own life at the time was that I needed to make friends, I needed to do well at work, I needed to save money, <laughs>、um, and I wanted to date around. I wanted to meet someone because. I wasn't used to being single. I mean, you, you're in a relationship for eight years. You, you're pretty new on the market in terms of in terms of dating, right?、That's、and、hard. so you don't know who's available or what you even want to look for, or you know, who, or how you approach it exactly, or where to go in a new、yeah. city, right? You know, so、um, a month after I moved here, I joined a kickball league. Oh, all good things happen at kickball.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> we would play on Thursdays and go to the local bar, and we would play flip cup all night, and it was great. Um, and ultimately, that was sort of how I got into the dating scene: was going to kickball and meeting girls, you know, on other teams because I wasn't into the whole incest thing on my own team. Right, <laughs> right. Yes. You know, that's that's big taboo.、Uh, my, my teammates would always say that it affects your performance when、oh. you fraternize with. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a little ridiculous, but、uh, but anyway, so that that was you know that was that and. It was kind of interesting because earlier on, since I was so new to dating, I would do stupid things like forget to make a reservation, and we'd show up <laughs> at a place, and I just thought it'd be cool because surely there's a place for us to sit. But I had never lived in a big city before, never been to San Francisco before, and so everything for me was a learning process.、Uh, and so after a couple of embarrassing dates, <laughs> as you can imagine, those were absolutely things that I that I learned from. Uh, but more than that, what I took from each individual date and getting to know the women and getting to actually spend some time with them and, and try my best to connect with them was, if it didn't work out for some reason, I would spend some time meditating on that, understanding why, and then applying it to the next person and then、wow. to the next person. And so, eventually, it got to the point where I would be able to, to sort of distill it down to where if it didn't work after one or two dates, I would know right away, and then I would just let you know. And in my mind, the way I rationalize that is: well, if I know for a fact that it's not going to work, and I don't tell you for two weeks, then I just wasted two weeks of both of our time, right?、Ooh. And instead of stringing you along, I would rather let you know upfront, so that 
you could move on and I could move on and, and we could actually spend our time trying to find someone that, we'll, that we will work with or be compatible with. I know, I wish more people would think this way. You, you know, it's funny you say that because I feel guilty about it still, right? Because if, if a girl has a connection with me and I tell her that I don't, or vice versa, I mean, there's no, it's still bad news to the person who wasn't expecting it. Yeah. You know, and so it's still never an easy thing to do or to say, but I, I didn't believe in just not talking to you anymore because I felt like I at least owed it to you to let you know, here are my reasons and this is why. And if I didn't do it in person, I would at least do it over the phone. I would actually call and wow. say it over the phone. Um, and so, so oh, how old school of you? <laughs> I love it. What's a phone? Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> yeah. You can talk on these things. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, there were a couple of interesting dating dating moments for me. Um, one in particular was, <clears throat> so a few of my friends and I, we would do this thing called Guys Night Out, where once a quarter we would pick a neighborhood and the goal was to bar hop around the neighborhood all night. The one thing you had to do was dress up. You had to, you had to get the suit out of the back of your closet, brush the dust off of it, go get a haircut, and, and dress to impress. What a great night. idea. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and, and when you see a group of 20 to 30 guys walking around San Francisco oh in a suit, yeah. it turns a couple heads, right? And so, I bet girls approach you all the time. Yeah, like moth to a flame. It, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it depends on the neighborhood. Maybe not so much in Bernal, but or not so much in the <laughs> mission either. But, yeah, but no, but it was fun because it, it gave us a chance to sort of dress up. And then what we would do, someone had the it wasn't me, but someone had the brilliant idea sure. <laughs> to to say, hey, why don't we pick two random girls? to judge us on who they think is the best dressed. Oh, and what an incredible brilliant. way to break the ice, right? It's oh, like, <laughs> our agreement was that we wouldn't be offended. We asked, we solicited your expertise, right? And so whatever, <laughs> well, your decisions are final. So whatever you decide is cool. So at one bar, the next bar, uh, they did it again, except this time they did it without me paying attention. I was in a conversation with someone, I turn around and I see them doing this again. And I walk up and I say, yo, I want in on this. And the two girls look at me and they say, oh, are you playing? And I said, yeah. And they said, hold on one second, whispered to each other. We have our winner, grabbed my arm, held it oh. up in the hand, held my hand up in the air and said, he wins. Good luck, everybody. Like, that's it. Like, oh. Afterwards, she turns to me and says, so why don't you buy my friend and I a drink? Oh, damn. <laughs> and immediately I'm like, whoa, I like this girl. <laughs> she goes after what she wants. Uh, and so one of my friends, being the excellent wingman that he is, rolls up to her friend and says, can I, can I buy this round? Oh. <laughs> wow. He picks up the round. He starts talking to her friend. I get one-on-one -on -one time. We exchange numbers. We go on a date the very next day. Next day, we... It was around St. Patrick's Day a couple of years ago, and we already had plans to go out with our friends. I mean, obviously it was a very impromptu thing, but we said, okay, let's meet at this wine bar. We'll chat for an hour or two, uh, and then we'll, we'll, you know, if, if we like each other, then we'll, there'll be another one. So we met up, we chit chat. It was cool. I, I liked her, I thought she was nice. I wanted to get to know her more. Um, so she leaves, 
I walk outside, I call an Uber, and just as it's pulling up, someone taps me on the shoulder. I turn around, and it's some woman who I'd never met before. And she says, hey, excuse me, so my friend and I were just sitting inside this bar, the very same bar I just walked out of, mind you. <laughs> That I was just in so on many a date with. So many guys are listening to this. I'm <laughs> hating you. Right just hating you. And she says, and she says, excuse me, my friend and I were inside, and we noticed that you were good looking, and that you were out here all alone, and we wanted to invite you inside for a drink with us. And I look in the window of the bar, and her friend waves at me, and I look back at her and look at at the friend in the window, and I say, absolutely, sure. So I go back into the bar. <laughs> But at this point, I had already told my friends I was on the way, and they were expecting me and everything. So what actually happened was I told her that I would take her number, and that if she had time in the future, that we would meet and, and go on a proper date. So both of those women, it didn't actually work out. Uh, besides that, I think uh, generally, you know, like I said, I would go on dates, and then if the first one went well, I'd try to go on the next one, and then sort of distill my learnings. And all the while, I was actually uh, also going to a therapist once a week, which I highly recommend to anyone because of the divorce. Mm. Um, I felt like I needed to spend some time sort of getting to know myself. And I mm. think the more that I was able to do that, the more that I was able to identify the things in someone else that I thought right. would really jive well with who I was and where I thought I was headed in life and sort of the values that I have for not only where I'm at now or my work ethic, but also what I want in a future and in a family potentially. And um, just the more I got to talk about sort of the issues that I felt like I had, the more I felt like I had a sense of understanding. And so it was to the point where I would go out on dates and then be able to glean like much earlier on based on asking better, more pointed questions, mm -hmm. whether or not we were going to be compatible, at least from my perspective. How did you have the idea of going to a therapist? I just knew that emotionally I was broken, and, I, and in my mind, I thought a therapist would be the one to help me fix it. Uh, I'm the kind of person where if I'm sick and you tell me that something is going to make me better, then I'll take, I'll take it, just because I don't want to be sick. Um, and so to the same extent, because I knew that I was so emotionally distraught from the divorce um, and from just other personal life issues growing up and, and what have you, being in a new city, not knowing anyone, I felt like going to a therapist would just at least help give me a sense of direction uh, more than anything else. And so going and talking to the therapist and verbalizing my, my issues and actually articulating the things that I was feeling on the inside, it, it's very different when you hear it audibly. And because I'm a naturally very introspective person, I would take a lot even from those sessions. Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot of these forced interactions with people between the therapist and the dates and then playing kickball and going to work every day and being new at my job. And just, I felt like there was a lot of new territory that I was covering, but I also felt like I grew the most during that time. Um, and then the other reason was that I knew that I wanted to get married again. I knew that mm. I wanted to find the right woman for me because I knew she was out there somewhere. But I also knew that I was not in a place then to meet her mm -hmm. and that she deserved better mm -hmm. and that I deserve better, right? And so I didn't want to, to I, I feel like you can't really meet someone who's right for you until you're ready to meet them because you can't identify until you're ready. So when you were dating during this time, mm -hmm. Did you tell the women you were dating that you weren't looking for something serious? 
or at least you weren't ready for something serious. You know, I didn't know that at first. So the very first, the very first person I dated, after the first day, it felt like we had this incredible connection. Um, and then after a few weeks, I started to realize, is it like, is this my rebound? Is this like, I don't know what this is, but I don't quite feel into her anymore. And it's weird that it only lasted two or three weeks. Like, I'm not sure what that was, but I don't really think this is going to work. And so what I wound up saying to her was, I'm so sorry. I haven't dated in a long time. You know, you're, you're the first person I've, I've dated since, you know, eight, nine years from now. And I just, I need some time. I need mm-hmm. to heal. I'm still hurt. I'm still just not, not in a very good place. My self-esteem isn't where I want it to be. And just, you know, and also I, I need to focus on work. I need to focus on myself. I need to just live and, and yeah. go and do things. And unfortunately that, that means that we can't, Part you know, ways, we, yeah, yeah, we can't do this. So I think about like from the other perspective, which is great. You're out there getting to know yourself, mm-hmm. getting back into the dating scene. But as someone who is looking for someone serious, how do I recognize the symptoms of someone like you going through that stage? <laughs> um, it's hard because I'm speaking in hindsight, right? Uh-huh. And so now I can look back and say with certainty that I was not ready mm-hmm. because I've grown so much between now and then that knowing what I know now, I was not ready then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, I felt ready every day. I felt ready every day. Yeah. I felt like I was just hoping that this would work out. I also feel like a lot of the people that I've dated, if we were to, if we were, I mean, I'm engaged now, right? But mm-hmm. if for whatever reason we met today for the first time and I wasn't engaged, I'm in a completely different mental space. Yeah. Emotionally, I'm much stronger, much more confident. Career-wise, I feel like I'm much more established. I have a better network. I actually have my bearing around the city. I would know restaurants to take her to or dinner spots to take her to. And just in general, I've grown up a lot mm-hmm. more, I think, since then. And I feel like I have a lot more to offer now. And, and to that end, I think even like the, just the, for lack of a better way of putting it, the caliber of woman that I would like date, I think, even now would be yeah. different. Yeah just because I carry myself differently and, and just there's, there's so much experience that I have gained over the last few years. And so just by nature of time passing and being introspective and trying to grow, you, you put out a different energy, therefore you attract a different energy. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you're, when you're partying it up and you're, you're at clubs and everything, I mean, you're going to, you know, you might get the random person that you probably could connect with and probably could have a happy life with that you come across serendipitously. But for the most part, people are there to party. Yeah. Right. Um, And so, and that's why I think I want to reiterate, you know, most of the people that I, most of the women that I've met, if not all of them, and went on dates with were ones that I met organically, either going out with friends or at an event hosted by a friend mm-hmm. because we at least had that that commonality. So. Yeah, but not everybody has a group of 20 really close friends <sighs> who all own suits and are able to go out <laughs> sure. on a random Friday night sure, and pick sure, up sure. chicks that way. So mm-hmm. you're lucky in those respects. <laughs> you're um, a privileged man. <laughs> so let's go back to bachelor life. Obviously, you're having a great time dating, mm-hmm. even though you're going through some sort of personal growth, mm-hmm. but you're having a great time dating because women are approaching you, mm-hmm. which I think I mean, it doesn't happen that much. Okay. Mm-hmm. So having women approach you, having women being receptive to you mm-hmm. approaching them is important. Mm-hmm. You're a charismatic, you're a good looking guy. How did you 
transform from enjoying this bachelor life to in a mind to being in a mindset of I want to find someone for life. Um, I think if you're if you're living your life in that way and you're going out and you're partying and you're single and you're going on these dates all the time. If you're, the reason for the date is to find someone to settle down with, then you have to be ready to settle down with them when they come along. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. You can't you, you can't be single and keep going on dates and then meet someone and then want to still go on dates unless you both agree to be in an open relationship, right? Which is fine. Yeah. yeah. But if but I feel like in our society, that's not the default. <laughs> yeah. The default is. You like me, I like you, let's be together, no one else, mm-hmm. right? And so unless it's explicitly discussed that we're going to keep dating, but we'll see each other ju- you know, just in case, then you have to be ready to drop everything. And I was, and I did. So how did you become ready? Uh, I met this amazing woman one night, and I, I said to myself, I'm totally going to spend my life with her. If, if it works out, she seems great so far. Hopefully there's like nothing crazy that I find out about her um, as I get to know her. But if, if, things, if I keep feeling the way I'm feeling now, if, I, if the feelings that I'm getting are accurate, then she seems like she'll be the one. So what, okay, <laughs> I love it. First of all, what? <laughs> what kind of mental state were you in when you met her? Hmm, let me think about this. Were you still like bachelor life, like, kickball team still or what uh, where were you I was sort of I was sort of waning from the party scene kind of I wasn't going out as hard as I was or as consciously frequently. or just it was consciously okay it was consciously because I was drinking a lot in the beginning and I just drinking that much is just not a thing I want to do and I was a little more focused on work at the time, and so I would go out, but I would limit it to the weekends now. Um, and during the week, I, I mean, I also used to do a lot of volunteering, and I have mentored in the past, and I was teaching. And so I had a lot of other things going on, too. And so partying, going out, dating didn't consume me. But I would still go out on the weekends, and I would still hang out with my friends, too. And sometimes my friends would want to go out to a bar. So I'm going to go with them, right. you know? I mean, and so... It wasn't always necessarily that I was uh, like in this mindset of, of partying, but just by just by me living my life and my expectations changing and sort of what I wanted kind of changing and my focus shifting a little bit. It was like, all right, well, I'll still go out and hopefully I meet someone, but it wasn't as high a priority it's by that balanced. time. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of just passively sort of dating, um, but just again organically. I wasn't on Tinder. I wasn't on any of these apps or sites or anything. I'd never created like a, I don't even, I don't even know the names of most of the, <laughs> most of the dating sites. So still the, till this day, you've never been on, on any apps. No. Oh, oh. <laughs> nice yeah. to meet you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're our first. <laughs> so. Okay, so when you met her, you were sort of already coming off the parting stage. Mm-hmm. And were you consciously thinking about finding a girlfriend? or f- looking for a relationship? It was always like a thread in my mind. It was like always this running thread. Yeah, I mean, as a single person, you can't help but to, I don't, it's just, I don't know, my state of mind is that I am single and don't necessarily want to be, right? Yeah. Um, 
And so I'm always in, a, in the mindset where I'm wide open and I'm sort of like very receptive to <laughs> any, around? yeah, to any sort of feedback that I got from any woman that I happen to be around, right? And so if it felt positive and it felt like we could have a connection, I wouldn't want to force it. I would try to see just what it was and where it would head. Um, but I was very keen to it. I think it's also extremely important to be okay spending time alone too. And to do things on your own totally. and to venture out on your own and to travel on your own. And it's okay to go to a bar by yourself, have a drink, maybe bring a book if you feel uncomfortable. Um, but getting comfortable with yourself and understanding yourself better totally makes it easier to find, in my opinion, to find and identify people that that will work for you. So that actually segues into what I was going to ask you because back to like the therapy part that you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. do you feel like by the time you met your current fiance that you had like worked through a bunch of the stuff that you went through? I would say six months into going to therapy, I felt great. I was like, wow, this is awesome and this has been so helpful. And I learned at least one thing about myself every week that I went to talk to my therapist. And for me, that was a huge win and I would actually kind of celebrate those in my own little way just because I feel like learning about yourself is powerful because the more you know about yourself, whether it's a strength or a weakness or a mood that you tend to be in or what your triggers are, you can then do a better job of tailoring your life to those things, right? If you know what your weaknesses are, if you care to strengthen them, then you have identified them and can start to work on that. If you know what your strengths are and you want to create situations for yourself where you can cater to those, Right? At least you've spent the time to identify them and, and you sort of know what they are. And so knowing yourself better in that sense for me was extremely powerful. So that was six months into it. Can I and just ask one question? So for someone who's never been to therapy, sure. can you give us more of an idea, like specific examples of things you learn about yourself? One of the things I learned about myself is that I'm a lot more resilient than I give myself credit for just okay. in terms of dealing with non-ideal situations. And therapist and just talking about your thoughts and having sort of a soundboard for your emotions is a good way of reminding you about yourself because it's easy to, to find yourself so focused on a thing or a shortcoming that you, know, you may forget that you are actually a social butterfly, but because you haven't been in social environments for a while that you feel out of practice. But once you're in a room with a ton of people, you have no problem mm -hmm. having all these conversations, right? And so just things like that. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you found some tangible takeaways about yourself through therapy. Mm -hmm. And then there's a moment of you meeting your now fiance. I want to hear about, first of all, how long had you been divorced when you met your fiance? About three years, two or three years. So three years of healing, three years. yeah, of okay. really productive healing, I would mm -hmm. call that. Mm -hmm. You meet your fiance. Tell us about the moment you met her. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> um, we were at Blondie's in the Mission, and I had showed up with just one of my friends, one of my guys. Um, and so by that point, uh, I was just dancing. I was just really into the music, and so I go to the bar. And I say to the bartender, I need two waters. And she was upset with me because there was actually a back bar and I should have gone there. But anyway, she gave me the two waters, guzzled them both, turned to my left, and I see this beautiful, beautiful woman just smiling at me. Huh. And the 
only th- like in my head, literally all I kept saying to myself was say something, say something, say something, say something. <laughs> say something, say something, say something. <laughs> Open your mouth. Just, Open your just mouth. Just make words come out, whatever you do. And so I just said hello. And we just hit it off. So her and I, we, we danced a little bit and I bought her a drink and we drank. And she asked me what I was doing the next day. And I said, nothing yet. What do you have in mind? And she said, would you like to go on a hike? And I said, sure. Um, I don't know where she has in mind, but I'll go home and do all the research. And so, Good. And so we, we left. And the next morning, I woke up, rented the car, went to the store, packed the whole hiking bag. Um, I, have, I have these like little portable chairs that I brought. This was the first date, and I wanted to make a really good impression. And she said, I was just intrigued by the fact that she wanted to go on a hike. I thought that was awesome. Uh, and at one point in the hike, we get to the very top of the mountain, and you have a view of the Pacific Ocean, and that was when I took the chairs out, uh-huh. unfolded them, Damn. sat them down, took the fruit out. And we, we just sat and admired the view and just got, got a chance to chit chat. And I asked her some questions. We got to know each other a little bit. And then we had hikers walking by, looking at us, sitting there saying, wow, that's a great idea bringing those chairs out. I wish I had thought of that. And so in my head, I'm like, yes, 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 <laughs> yes. That's a lovely first date. And then you said there were, there were moments where you thought, I really want to make this work with this woman. She's mm-hmm. like, she could be the one. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what made you think this way? So the night we met, we're dancing. Um, you know, as we're dancing, like we were getting close and stuff, and I like kissed her on the neck. Um, and she started crying. And I felt, like in the moment, I felt like I violated her and that I shouldn't have done that. And so I apologized and she seemed, I guess we were both drinking for a while, and so I was really in my head. And I, I mean, I wouldn't normally kiss a woman on her, on her neck without asking or anything, but I would, you know, just in the moment, I, I went for it. Um, she was crying for a few minutes about it, and I started to feel, I put my drink down and everything, and I was wow. trying to console her. And anyway, she said, I'm sorry, no one's touched me like that in a while. Mm. And I said, Oh, do you want to go outside and talk about it? And she said, Yes, I would love to. And I think. Just the fact that she was willing to talk to me about it. And we mm. walked out of the club to go out on the sidewalk and have a discussion about how I made her feel. Um, and for me, I would, that just the maturity it took mm-hmm. to be able, for her to be able to want to discuss it and for us to go outside and actually discuss it blew me away. So she was really vulnerable. Yeah but also very genuine, very authentic. Yeah. And I like to talk things out and I, I'm pretty in touch with my emotions and how I feel yeah. and, and sort of the energy I'm putting out. And so the fact that she sort of, she sort of let me do that, but also was willing to be okay with it, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I valued very, very, very much. Hmm. And I, it told, that in and of itself told me a lot about her. I can gather from you that you're very introspective, so like having that in a partner is obviously very important. Oh yeah, it's a must-have. Mm-hmm. And and funny enough, she was younger than every other woman I dated. Hmm. But she just knew herself better. Hmm. She put in the work and the time to get to know she herself. She definitely did. Absolutely. So what? Um, there was an episode where I was set up on this blind date with this guy Andrew on that whim date, oh. where he. 
his first, you know, we were interviewed about our first impressions about each other. And he said, you know, when I first met UA, it's just like a typical date where she has like this role that she's playing. And I find this a lot with dating is that on when people go on dates, they put on this face, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like, this is who I am all the time, you know, my, my best self. Mm -hmm. but, but then he said, you know, as the night went on, when she showed more authenticity and more um, dimensions to who she was, it made me more attracted to her. Mm -hmm. And that really stuck with me because I think even with friends, there are some friends that are happy all the fucking time, right? And it's great to be around them, right. but it's those moments where they show a different yeah. side that you feel truly connected to that person. Yes. And also it's them trusting you yeah. to show, to be able to show that side. So I, I can t completely see why this was some a moment that really stuck out in your mind totally. there. Mm -hmm. um, so then how long did you guys date for before you proposed? So we've been together now just a little over a year and a half. Okay. Uh, so I guess by some measures, not very long. But I would say I kind of knew just a few months in. Um, but I think ultimately we had a lot of uncomfortable conversations earlier on. We spent a lot more time being more vulnerable, being more mm -hmm. trusting, being more accepting of each other. Um, and just letting the other person be and just sort of bearing witness to to this, right? And then just sort of understanding that people are people and there are certain things about them that you might be able to influence and other things that you just have to accept. I have not, for a fact, actually, ever been with anyone who has been more accepting. Uh, and sometimes, even day to day, it blows me away just how I can do something or be silly or crack a joke and she just kind of gets me. I just feel like, I feel understood. I feel... Accepted. Yeah, I feel like I can do no wrong. To be honest with you, she's so accepting and supportive of me that there are literally times where I'm going through a bad time at work and I feel like no matter what else happens in the world, I have her. Mm. And you can all go to hell. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah. even, you know, yeah. I don't yeah, even care. Be, <laughs> yeah. That's, like, yeah. that's a true partner. Cause, yeah, because yeah. I'm going to go home and I'm going to be with my amazing fiance and life is good and I don't need this job. <laughs> you know, just... <laughs> Something that really resonates with me is the fact that I think you're at this point in your relationship where you feel this way about your fiance because you knew you wanted this in a partner. Yes. And I think going through that work and that time yeah. and effort, putting into yourself, getting to know yourself on what you need, what does it mean to be supported? What does it mean to be loved and accepted? Mm -hmm. I think these are all buzzwords that we throw around and sure. say, oh, I need a partner. I need, a, mm -hmm. I need someone who makes me a better person because we read this somewhere or right. we saw this <laughs> online somewhere or like we watched a movie and someone said this. But what does it really, really mean? And I think you had the answer because you knew without, mm -hmm. without her even in your life, yep. you knew what mm -hmm. kind of partner that person would be and how that partner would make you feel. Yeah. But this takes time yep. to get to know yourself. We got to put in the work. Yeah. And yes. I think that's why your connection was so, I mean, first of all, you found the partner that was a good fit for that. Mm -hmm. So that was self-selection to begin with. And mm -hmm. I think that's why it was able to develop so deeply, so right. quick. Right. because you knew so much about what you were looking for. Right, and I, and I think uh, something else that's worth mentioning is that sometimes, I think as people, we tend to try hard to force situations 
Um, we try hard to keep people in our lives. We try hard to keep certain friends. Yes. We try hard to yeah. make our bosses happy. But something I've learned is to sometimes be okay with it not going so well. And instead of being hard on myself about it, I just say, you know what, maybe that person just wasn't meant to be in my life then. Totally. You know, if I can't open up to you about how I feel and, it, and you don't appreciate that, then maybe we just shouldn't be friends. In, instead of me getting down on myself about it and feeling like, oh, wow, maybe I should not tell that to people. Instead, I say, no, the people I tell it to are the ones that I know I can trust, right? Mm -hmm. And so by framing things in that, in that different way, you tend to, I, I guess I reached a point where I feel like people are very transient, right? People come and go, you know, you do you form. Oh yeah, you form strong relationships today and then tomorrow you don't hear from them. And you know, to that end, you, both people have to put in the work, totally. right? And both people have to want it. And so if it doesn't work out, sometimes it just wasn't meant to work out. But yeah. when it is meant to work out, it will. Naturally, it will, without you having sure. to force it. I think you brought up a good point about the feeling that, like, she was, like, on your side. Yeah. And I think, like, yeah. you hear, I mean, I think that's, like, just, that's when you're in love. Like, when you feel like that person has your back, like, it doesn't matter, like, what their physical looks like as much, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter what all these, like, superficial qualities are. It's, mm -hmm. like, that deep connection. Yeah. I want to talk about some takeaways because I, I'm um, frantically jotting them down as you speak. <laughs> I love this idea of being relationship-minded and not thinking about... So when we talk about being relationship-minded, we're thinking about, oh, I'm looking to get into a relationship. But I think we should also think about, if you're relationship-minded, what's your relationship with yourself? Mm -hmm. And not so much like, I'm looking for someone to provide this for me, but what do you provide for yourself? Mm -hmm. How do you feel fulfilled? And, and getting to know ourselves better before we can jump into a relationship with another human being. I also like this idea, and it goes, it's all related, is that you have to know, in order to know what you want, you have to know what that looks like and what that feels like. Mm -hmm. So instead of having these really blanket statements of, I'm looking for someone to love me, I'm looking for someone to support me, you have to actually feel those words. Like to me, I'm just sitting here thinking about what, is it, what does it mean to be supported? I love this idea of like someone who's on your team. Mm -hmm. If I'm having a really bad day, I come home and I feel like, yeah. dude, I got someone on my team and yeah. I'm invincible right now. Yeah. Nothing yeah. can touch me. It's a yeah. real thing. It's real. <laughs> if, like you have superpowers around yeah. being around this person. Because there are relationships that I've been in where if you know my partner um, had a bad day or something, I would feel like, oh, that's something you need to get over yourself. Like that's, you need to be independent and I'm not here to coddle you. Mm -hmm. So that's already like a me versus you mentality. That's already hurting the relationship. Mm -hmm. But what does it really mean to be supported yeah. and to support your partner? Think about those words, feel those words and get to know yourself before you demand these things in a relationship. And I think if you obviously have witness them with other past relationships, then you have a baseline. But even if you haven't, you could look at like friends or like family members yes. or other people that you feel whatever quality it is. And that's important to you. Like I know for me, like I need someone that's dependable. Yeah. I think just something that I would like to add to is that it's funny because as we would hit certain like month marks or, you know, the first year mark in our relationship, she would say things like, wow, I can't believe we've been together six months and we still 
I don't know, like hold the door for each other, right? And she would just say these things off the cuff. And I'm like, you know, it's not supposed to change, right? Like, you know, we're always supposed to sort of be this way. Like, yeah, there might be a honeymoon phase, but just because we become more comfortable with each other doesn't necessarily mean that we should change the way we treat each other. Mm -hmm. And so when she wakes up early for work and I wake up and my lunch is packed and there's coffee left for me and she left me a note on the whiteboard of how much Mm -hmm. she loves me, I still tell her thank you Mm -hmm. for that because she made my day. And she goes out of her way to do a lot of little things and I Mm -hmm. always go out of my way to at least acknowledge them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And especially, like, I think that's one of the challenges with marriage, that people take people for granted and yeah. become complacent. And, like, it's a great reminder that mm-hmm. you don't have to do that. Like, you can keep the romance alive and, like, respect yeah. for someone. Yeah. yeah, and also not taking each other for granted. Huge. Yeah. That's a huge one. Yeah. I also uh, want to point out this idea of dating being an aspect of your life and it's interconnected with everything else that's going on. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned something about when your career was at a point where you're really happy with it. Your Mm -hmm. friends were um, at a point where you're really happy with the people you're surrounding yourself with. Mm -hmm. You just felt better in all other aspects of your life Mm -hmm. and that's when you were really ready for someone, Mm -hmm. really ready for someone awesome Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. Of course, you were ready even when your life wasn't at that point, but then you wouldn't have been attracting someone who who should be with you at your best self. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that's really important that, like, you hear this all the time, you have to be so comfortable and be so happy on your own first before you can be with someone else. But it's so true. Mm -hmm. If you find that you're having a hard time dating, Mm -hmm. look into other aspects of your life. Maybe it's a career change that you need. Mm -hmm. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's it's the people you're surrounding yourself right. with. Yep. It's just, is there negativity around you all the time? Yep. What is it? Or is it just yourself? You need to be working on yourself more. And when you are able to date yourself, then yeah. you can date others. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I recommend therapy as well. I think oh, yeah. It's definitely mm-hmm. a takeaway to, if you are struggling with getting to know yourself, clearly it's a good place, but it's, I think getting to know what you want, but then also what you can give to a partner, not what they're going to give to you all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like understanding what you, like you said something that really stood out around, like I had this confidence after like I got to know myself. I knew who I was and what I could offer someone. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People forget that a lot. A lot of times they're like, what can I get? What can I get? Yeah, it's me, me, me. Mm -hmm. But what can you give? Okay, let's go into our question of the day. This is a quick one. Comes from Shane. He says, hey guys, I'm a normally a happy person and I find happiness in everything I do in life. I find happiness in my career. I, ha- I find happiness in family and friends. The only area I don't find happiness is dating. Do you think there's something wrong with me? Am I approaching dating wrong or is it just not time for me to be happy in dating? An interesting situation. I mean, there's a lot of different factors that I think should be considered. Um, Sometimes patterns that I've seen in the past is that people are attracted to a certain type of person, but by nature, one of those, one of the characteristics of that type of person is something that makes you unhappy, mm. right? And so I think sacrificing your happiness for something that 
or someone or some characteristic that you think you're attracted to, whether it's a bad boy or, you know, a girl who is a little more reserved, right? I mean, really pay attention to the rest of the characteristics of that profile and ask yourself if, if that's someone that you really find yourself to be happy with. If that's not it, then I would encourage you to try different things. If you've traditionally dated online, then try going out on your own. If you feel like you've done that enough, then try picking up a new hobby or being more socially involved in the things that do make you happy. Uh, and lots of times, if you are giving off the right energy and if you are sort of putting yourself out there more, then you increase your chances of coming across the right person. I, don't know, I personally have been here before, and I think sometimes you're putting so much pressure on yourself mm -hmm. to like make this one area of your life great that it like causes you to not really be as like open and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Like you said, what attracted you most to your current fiance is when she just got real with you. Yeah. So if you're so concerned about your dating life, maybe you're not being your genuine self. We're in work. Yeah. We're in friendship or whatever you're just more yourself and that's why it kind of flows better yeah I completely agree and I want to um, go off of that I think it goes back to what we talked about before the different aspects of your life aren't mutually exclusive there's definitely um, there's points where they intersect so your career and your dating life could intersect and I think you can think about dating as an underlining consequence of the different areas of your life maybe a romance could spur at work and romance could happen on the street when you're about to meet your friends. So dating shouldn't be completely separate from the other parts of your life. If you focus so much like what Julie was saying on just dating, then it becomes work. And that's not fun. That's, that doesn't make you happy. And I'd, I would also say if, it doesn't, if something doesn't make you happy, don't do it. If dating, the way you're dating right now truly makes you unhappy, stop doing it. Dating could be something that just happens. It doesn't have to be something you actively pursue. So when you change your perspective and also look at the big picture of things, maybe dating will just come to you. And that happiness is what, is what comes with that instead of trying to force it to happen. Cool. All right. Ready to wrap this up. I want to give a shout out to your awesome fiance. I want to meet her one day. She sounds great. She does. Um, we, we want to hear your dating stories. We want to hear some, you know, if you have any suggestions for topics that you want to hear about. I sure. I found the one. I love the, I love Yes. The how did you find the one or even how did you find the person that you really want to be with even right now. How do two people come together and decide that they want to form a third life together? You know, what, what does that mean? We, we want to hear all those stories and all the different scenarios. And with that said, last but not least, stay dateable. Your action item for this week is to think back to all the episodes that we had this season and how these stories can help you become a better person. Our goal here at Datable is not for you to date more or to be good at dating. We're hoping that you'll become a better dater, a smarter dater, and beyond that, a better person. What makes dating frustrating these days is that we let people be assholes, and sometimes we're assholes ourselves. So think about some things that you can do to become more accountable for your own actions and to just become a better person. Also in this season, 
we've given you some resources and tools to becoming a better version of yourself. That could be therapy, open communication, a support network, and even some new events that you can explore. Whatever these tools may be and whatever your goals are, have a game plan for yourself to becoming the 2.0 version of who you are today. Also, we have something really exciting for season five. We're still looking for guests to bring on the show to tell their stories. So we're still looking for submissions. But now there's an opportunity to nominate your friends who you think should be on the show. And I'm sure we all have a friend or two who have the most amazing dating stories. So now go to datablepodcast.com and find the page Nominate a Friend. And the last thing we'll say is that we have a few new sponsorship opportunities for season five. So if you or anyone you know would be a good dateable partner, let us know. Hey, we want to meet you. Would you like to meet us too? The correct answer is yes. So we're having a joint happy hour with our friends at 941 Social Club on Thursday, June 22nd. It's actually more of a bar crawl in the marina that will start at 7 p.m. The Datable team, along with some past guests, will be at the Palm House starting at 9 p.m. And the best part is, you're going to get free drinks. Find out how by checking out our Facebook page under Datable Podcast. Hope to see you then. The most efficient way to meet new people is a combination of online and offline. 500 Brunches has your offline covered. Connect over brunch with new friends. Come alone or bring a buddy. There is always a table full of friendly faces, mimosas, and eggs benedict. Sign up at 500brunches.com and use the code DATEABLE for a free entry. To connect with us, visit datablepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Datable Podcast. <laughs>